0: Hello, I'm Alison Larkin, writer, comedian, narrator and host of The Jane Austen Podcast, presented by Realm. Lydia and Wickham have married in London after Mr Bennett agreed to a small annual dowry and it is presumed Mr Gardiner has submitted a good sum of money to Wickham. We'll have more for you right after this.
1: Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf bantwine coming January 2nd wherever
0: podcasts are available. This is episode 23 of Pride and Prejudice. In today's episode, you'll be hearing chapters 51 and 52 Chapter 51. Their sister's wedding day arrived, and Jane and Elizabeth felt for her probably more than she felt for herself. The carriage was sent to meet them, and they were to return in it by dinner time. Their arrival was dreaded by the elder Miss Bennetts, and Jane more especially, who gave Lydia the feelings which would have attended herself, had she been the culprit, was wretched in the thought of what her sister must endure. They came. The family were assembled in the breakfast room to receive them. Smiles decked the face of Mrs. Bennet as the carriage drove up to the door. Her husband looked impenetrably grave, her daughters alarmed, anxious. Uneasy. Lydia's voice was heard in the vestibule. The door was thrown open, and she ran into the room. Her mother stepped forwards, embraced her, and welcomed her with rapture, gave her hand with an affectionate smile to Wickham, who followed his lady and wished them both joy with an alacrity which showed no doubt of their happiness. Their reception from Mr. Bennet, to whom they then turned, was not quite so cordial. His countenance rather gained in austerity, and he scarcely opened his lips. The easy assurance of the young couple, indeed, was enough to provoke him. Elizabeth was disgusted, and even Miss Bennet was shocked. Lydia was Lydia still, untamed, unabashed, wild, noisy, and fearless— She turned from sister to sister, demanding their congratulations, and when at length they all sat down, looked eagerly round the room, took notice of some little alteration in it, and observed, with a laugh, that it was a great while since she had been there. Wickham was not at all more distressed than herself, but his manners were always so pleasing that had his character and his marriage been exactly what they ought, his smiles and his easy address, while he claimed their relationship, would have delighted them all. Elizabeth had not before believed him quite equal to such assurance, but she sat down, resolving within herself to draw no limits in future to the impudence of an impudent man— She blushed, and Jane blushed, but the cheeks of the two who caused their confusion suffered no variation of colour. There was no want of discourse. The bride and her mother could neither of them talk fast enough, and Wickham, who happened to sit near Elizabeth, began inquiring after his acquaintance in that neighbourhood with a good-humoured ease, which she felt very unable to equal in her replies. They seemed, each of them, to have the happiest memories in the world. Nothing of the past was recollected with pain and Lydia led voluntarily to subjects which her sisters would not have alluded to for the world. Only think of it's being three months, she cried, since I went away. It seems but a fortnight, I declare. And yet, there have been things enough happened in the time. Good gracious! When I went away, I am sure I had no more idea of being married till I came back again, though I thought it would be very good fun if I was. Her father lifted up his eyes. Jane was distressed. Elizabeth looked expressively at Lydia but she, who never heard nor saw anything of which she chose to be insensible, gaily continued, Oh, mamma, do the people hereabouts know I am married today? I was afraid they might not, and we overtook William Goulding in his curricle, so I was determined he should know it. And so I let down the side glass next to him and took off my glove and let my hand just rest upon the window frame so that he might see the ring. And then I bowed and smiled like anything. Elizabeth could bear it no longer. She got up and ran out of the room, and returned no more till she heard them passing through the hall to the dining parlour. She then joined them soon enough to see Lydia, with anxious parade, walk up to her mother's right hand and hear her say to her eldest sister, Ah, Jane, I take your place now, and you must go lower, because I am a married woman. It was not to be supposed that time would give Lydia that embarrassment from which she had been so wholly free at first. Her ease and good spirits increased. She longed to see Mrs. Phillips, the Lucases, and all their other neighbours, and to hear herself called Mrs. Wickham by each of them. And in the meantime, she went after dinner to show her ring and boast of being married to Mrs. Hill and the two housemaids. Well, Mamma said she when they were all returned to the breakfast room. And what do you think of my husband? Is not he a charming man? I am sure my sisters must all envy me. I only hope they may have half my good luck. They must all go to Brighton. That is the place to get husbands. What a pity it is, Mamma, we did not all go. Very true. And if I had my will, we should. But, my dear Lydia, I don't at all like your going such a way off.' ''Must it be so? Oh, Lord, yes, there is nothing in that. I shall like it of all things. You and Papa and my sisters must come down and see us. We shall be at Newcastle all the winter, and I dare say there will be some balls, and I will take care to get good partners for them all.'' ''I should like it beyond anything,'' said her mother. "'and then, when you go away, you may leave one or two of my sisters behind you, "'and I dare say I shall get husbands for them before the winter is over.' "'I thank you for my share of the favour,' said Elizabeth, "'but I do not particularly like your way of getting husbands.' "'Their visitors were not to remain above ten days with them. "'Mr. Wickham had received his commission before he left London, "'and he was to join his regiment at the end of a fortnight.' No one but Mrs. Bennet regretted that their stay would be so short, and she made the most of the time by visiting about with her daughter and having very frequent parties at home. These parties were acceptable to all. To avoid a family circle was even more desirable to such as did think than such as did not. Wickham's affection for Lydia was just what Elizabeth had expected to find it, not equal to Lydia's for him. She had scarcely needed her present observation to be satisfied from the reason of things that their elopement had been brought on by the strength of her love rather than by his, and she would have wondered why, without violently caring for her he chose to elope with her at all, Had she not felt certain that his flight was rendered necessary by distress of circumstances, and if that were the case, he was not the young man to resist an opportunity of having a companion. Lydia was exceedingly fond of him. He was her dear Wickham on every occasion. No one was to be put in competition with him. "'He did everything best in the world, "'and she was sure he would kill more birds on the 1st of September "'than anybody else in the country. "'One morning, soon after their arrival, "'as she was sitting with her two elder sisters, "'she said to Elizabeth, "Lizzie, I never gave you an account of my wedding, I believe. "'You were not by when I told Mamma and the others all about it. "'Are not you curious to hear how it was managed?' "'No, really.' replied Elizabeth, I think there cannot be too little said on the subject. La, you are so strange, but I must tell you how it went off. We were married, you know, at St. Clement's because Wickham's lodgings were in that parish and it was settled that we should all be there by eleven o'clock. My uncle and aunt and I were to go together and the others were to meet us at the church. Well, Monday morning came and I was in such a fuss. I was so afraid, you know, that something would happen to put it off, and then I should have gone quite distracted. And there was my aunt, all the time I was dressing, preaching and talking away just as if she was reading a sermon. However, I did not hear above one word in ten, for I was thinking, you may suppose, of my dear Wickham. I longed to know whether he would be married in his blue coat. Well. And so we breakfasted at ten as usual. I thought it would never be over, for, by the by, you are to understand that my uncle and aunt were horrid unpleasant all the time I was with them. If you'll believe me, I did not once put my foot out of doors, though I was there a fortnight. Not one party or scheme or anything. To be sure, London was rather thin, but, however, the little theatre was open Well, and so, just as the carriage came to the door, my uncle was called away upon business to that horrid man, Mr Stone. And then, you know, when once they get together, there is no end of it. Well, I was so frightened I did not know what to do for my uncle was to give me away, and if we were beyond the hour, we could not be married all day. But luckily, he came back again in ten minutes' time, and then we all set out. However... I recollected afterwards that if he had been prevented going, the wedding need not be put off, for Mr. Darcy might have done as well. Mr. Darcy, repeated Elizabeth, in utter amazement. Oh, yes, he was to come there with Wickham, you know. But gracious me, I quite forgot. I ought not to have said a word about it. I promised them so faithfully. What will Wickham say? It was to be such a secret. If it was to be secret said jane say not another word on the subject you may depend on my seeking no further oh certainly said elizabeth though burning with curiosity we will ask you no questions thank you said lydia for if you did i should certainly tell you all and then wickham would be angry on such encouragement to ask elizabeth was forced to put it out of her power by running away But to live in ignorance on such a point was impossible, or at least it was impossible not to try for information. Mr. Darcy had been at her sister's wedding. It was exactly a scene, and exactly among people where he had apparently least to do and least temptation to go. Conjectures as to the meaning of it, rapid and wild, hurried into her brain, but she was satisfied with none. Those that best pleased her as placing his conduct in the noblest light seemed most improbable. She could not bear such suspense, and hastily seizing a sheet of paper wrote a short letter to her aunt to request an explanation of what Lydia had dropped, if it were compatible with the secrecy which had been intended. You may readily comprehend, she added, "'what my curiosity must be to know how a person unconnected with any of us, "'and, comparatively speaking, a stranger to our family "'should have been amongst you at such a time. "'Pray write instantly and let me understand it, "'unless it is, for very cogent reasons, "'to remain in the secrecy which Lydia seems to think necessary, "'and then I must endeavour to be satisfied with ignorance. "'Not that I shall, though,' she added to herself, "'as she finished the letter,' And, my dear aunt, if you do not tell me in an honourable manner, I shall certainly be reduced to tricks and stratagems to find it out. Jane's delicate sense of honour would not allow her to speak to Elizabeth privately of what Lydia had let fall. Elizabeth was glad of it. Till it appeared whether her inquiries would receive any satisfaction, she had rather be without a confidante.
1: While I do really enjoy the convenience of streaming at home, there is something really special about the experience of going to the movie theater. And if you're like me and find yourself going a couple times a month, or the cost of movie tickets has kept you from going as often as you'd like, Regal Unlimited just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass that pays for itself in just two visits. I love going to Regal theaters. I personally have gone twice in the last three weeks and so this movie subscription pass is truly perfect. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime with no blackout dates or restrictions. And when you want to watch a movie in a premium format like 4DX, IMAX, RPX, or ScreenX, your Regal Unlimited memberships gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you'll also save on snacks, which is personally a must when in the theater. Members get 10% off all non-alcoholic concession items. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, you need to join Regal Unlimited. Sign up now in the Regal app or on REG movies.com slash unlimited r-e-g movies.com slash unlimited when you sign up use code austin 24 and earn 10 percent off a three-month subscription again regal unlimited is the all you can watch movie subscription pass that pays for itself in just two visits so if you're planning to see more than one movie this month regal unlimited is the way to save money on your tickets and your snacks and just have that magical experience in a movie theater I've been on such a learning kick lately, and I mean everything from taking ceramics classes to reading multiple nonfiction books, which is very unlike me as a almost exclusive fiction reader. But it's so amazing to learn new things in all these different ways, which is why I'm so excited to talk about our sponsor, Marquee TV. Firstly, because their support is why we're able to bring this podcast to you. And secondly, because Marquee TV isn't just any streaming service. They're your gateway to an incredible world of arts and culture and it's been a great addition to my rotation of places to learn from. Now that I've had time to explore Marquee TV, I've been truly amazed by the vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. It's a treasure trove for any arts and culture lover. And again, as someone who is really trying to absorb as much new information right now, the first thing I watched on Marquee TV was The Pianist of Yarmouk. It's a documentary about a classically trained musician attempting to escape the war in Syria. And while it was made in 2016, it's a documentary that's especially poignant today. Music plays such an important part in so many aspects of life. And I I probably would never have heard about this story if it weren't for Marquee TV. So imagine having the world's most breathtaking ballets, dramatic theater productions, and magical operas at your fingertips. That's the experience Marquee TV offers, making the arts accessible wherever you are. So bring the arts home with Marquee TV. We've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents. That's right, three months for only 99 cents with the code Austin. Just visit marquee.tv and use the promo code Austin to dive into the world of arts like never before. Explore the extensive library of performances on Marquee TV and keep up with the latest in arts streaming by following at Marquee TV on social media. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back.
0: CHAPTER 52 Elizabeth had the satisfaction of receiving an answer to her letter as soon as she possibly could. She was no sooner in possession of it than hurrying into the little copse, where she was least likely to be interrupted, she sat down on one of the benches and prepared to be happy, for the length of the letter convinced her that it did not contain a denial. Gracechurch Street, September sixth, My Dear Niece. I have just received your letter, and shall devote this whole morning to answering it, as I foresee that a little writing will not comprise what I have to tell you. I must confess myself surprised by your application. I did not expect it from you. Don't think me angry, however, for I only mean to let you know that I had not imagined such inquiries to be necessary on your side. If you do not choose to understand me, forgive my impertinence. Your uncle is as much surprised as I am— and nothing but the belief of your being a party concerned would have allowed him to act as he has done. But if you are really innocent and ignorant, I must be more explicit. On the very day of my coming home from Longbourn, your uncle had a most unexpected visitor. Mr. Darcy called, and was shut up with him several hours— It was all over before I arrived, so my curiosity was not so dreadfully racked as yours seems to have been. He came to tell Mr. Gardiner that he had found out where your sister and Mr. Wickham were, and that he had seen and talked with them both, Wickham repeatedly, Lydia once. From what I can collect, he left Derbyshire only one day after ourselves, and came to town with the resolution of hunting for them. The motive professed was his conviction of its being owing to himself that Wickham's worthlessness had not been so well known as to make it impossible for any young woman of character to love or confide in him. He generously imputed the whole to his mistaken pride, and confessed that he had before thought it beneath him to lay his private actions open to the world. His character was to speak for itself— He called it, therefore, his duty to step forward and endeavour to remedy an evil which had been brought on by himself. If he had another motive, I am sure it would never disgrace him. He had been some days in town before he was able to discover them. But he had something to direct his search, which was more than we had, and the consciousness of this was another reason for his resolving to follow us. There is a lady... It seems, a Mrs. Young, who was some time ago governess to Miss Darcy, and was dismissed from her charge on some cause of disapprobation, though he did not say what. She then took a large house in Edward Street, and has since maintained herself by letting lodgings. This Mrs. Young was, he knew, intimately acquainted with Wickham, and he went to her for intelligence of him as soon as he got to town. But it was two or three days before he could get from her what he wanted. She would not betray her trust, I suppose, without bribery and corruption, for she really did know where her friend was to be found. Wickham, indeed, had gone to her on their first arrival in London, and had she been able to receive them into her house, they would have taken up their abode with her. At length, however, our kind friend procured the wished-for direction. They were in Blank Street. He saw Wickham and afterwards insisted on seeing Lydia. His first object with her, he acknowledged, had been to persuade her to quit her present disgraceful situation and return to her friends as soon as they could be prevailed on to receive her, offering his assistance as far as it would go. But he found Lydia absolutely resolved on remaining where she was. She cared for none of her friends, she wanted no help of his, she would not hear of leaving Wickham. She was sure they should be married sometime or other, and it did not much signify when.' Since such were her feelings, it only remained, he thought, to secure and expedite a marriage which, in his very first conversation with Wickham, he easily learnt, had never been his design. He confessed himself obliged to leave the regiment, on account of some debts of honour which were very pressing, and, scrupled not to lay all the ill consequences of Lydia's flight on her own folly alone, he meant to resign his commission immediately— and, as to his future situation, he could conjecture very little about it. He must go somewhere, but he did not know where, and he knew he should have nothing to live on. Mr. Darcy asked him why he had not married your sister at once. Though Mr. Bennet was not imagined to be very rich, he would have been able to do something for him, and his situation must have been benefited by marriage. But he found, in reply to this question that Wickham still cherished the hope of more effectually making his fortune by marriage in some other country. Under such circumstances, however, he was not likely to be proof against the temptation of immediate relief. They met several times, for there was much to be discussed. Wickham, of course, wanted more than he could get, but at length was reduced to be reasonable everything being settled between them, Mr. Darcy's next step was to make your uncle acquainted with it and he first called in Gracechurch Street the evening before I came home. But Mr. Gardiner could not be seen and Mr. Darcy found, on further inquiry, that your father was still with him but would quit town the next morning. He did not judge your father to be a person whom he could so properly consult as your uncle, and therefore readily postponed seeing him till after the departure of the former. He did not leave his name, and till the next day it was only known that a gentleman had called on business. On Saturday he came again. Your father was gone, your uncle at home, and, as I said before, they had a great deal of talk together. They met again on Sunday." And then I saw him too. It was not all settled before Monday. As soon as it was, the express was sent off to Longbourn. But our visitor was very obstinate. I fancy, Lizzie, that obstinacy is the real defect of his character after all. He has been accused of many faults at different times, but this is the true one. Nothing was to be done that he did not do himself, though I am sure and I do not speak it to be thanked, therefore say nothing about it, your uncle would most readily have settled the whole. They battled it together for a long time, which was more than either the gentleman or lady concerned in it deserved. But at last your uncle was forced to yield, and instead of being allowed to be of use to his niece, was forced to put up with only having the probable credit of it, which went sorely against the grain, and I really believe your letter this morning gave him great pleasure. "'because it required an explanation that would rob him of his borrowed feathers "'and give the praise where it was due. "'But, Lizzie, this must go no farther than yourself or Jane at most. "'You know pretty well, I suppose, what has been done for the young people. "'His debts are to be paid, amounting, I believe, "'to considerably more than a thousand pounds. "'Another thousand in addition to her own settled upon her, "'and his commission purchased.' The reason why all this was to be done by him alone was such as I have given above. It was owing to him, to his reserve and want of proper consideration, that Wickham's character had been so misunderstood, and consequently that he had been received and noticed as he was. Perhaps there was some truth in this, though I doubt whether his reserve or anybody's reserve can be answerable for the event. But in spite of all this fine talking, my dear Lizzie... "'you may rest perfectly assured that your uncle would never have yielded "'if we had not given him credit for another interest in the affair.' "'When all this was resolved on, he returned again to his friends, "'who were still staying at Pemberley. "'But it was agreed that he should be in London once more when the wedding took place, "'and all money matters were then to receive the last finish. "'I believe I have now told you everything.' "'It is a relation which you tell me is to give you great surprise. "'I hope at least it will not afford you any displeasure.' "'Lydia came to us, and Wickham had constant admission to the house.' "'He was exactly what he had been when I knew him in Hertfordshire, "'but I would not tell you how little I was satisfied with her behaviour "'while she stayed with us if I had not perceived, "'by Jane's letter last Wednesday, "'that her conduct on coming home was exactly of a piece with it, "'and therefore what I now tell you can give you no fresh pain.' "'I talked to her repeatedly in the most serious manner, "'representing to her all the wickedness of what she had done,' and all the unhappiness she had brought on her family. If she heard me, it was by good luck, for I am sure she did not listen. I was sometimes quite provoked, but then I recollected my dear Elizabeth and Jane, and for their sakes had patience with her. Mr. Darcy was punctual in his return, and as Lydia informed you, attended the wedding. He dined with us the next day, and was to leave town again on Wednesday or Thursday. "'Will you be very angry with me, my dear Lizzie, "'if I take this opportunity of saying "'what I was never bold enough to say before, "'how much I like him? "'His behaviour to us has, in every respect, "'been as pleasing as when we were in Derbyshire. "'His understanding and opinions all please me. "'He wants nothing but a little more liveliness, "'and that, if he marry prudently, "'his wife may teach him. "'I thought him very sly. "'He hardly ever mentioned your name.' but slyness seems the fashion. Pray, forgive me, if I have been very presuming, or at least do not punish me so far as to exclude me from P. I shall never be quite happy till I have been all round the park. A low Phaeton with a nice little pair of ponies would be the very thing, but I must write no more. The children have been wanting me this half hour. Yours, very sincerely, M. Gardiner. The contents of this letter threw Elizabeth into a flutter of spirits, in which it was difficult to determine whether pleasure or pain bore the greatest share. The vague and unsettled suspicions which uncertainty had produced of what Mr. Darcy might have been doing to forward her sister's match, which she had feared to encourage, as an exertion of goodness too great to be probable— and at the same time, dreaded to be just, from the pain of obligation, were proved beyond their greatest extent to be true. He had followed them purposely to town. He had taken on himself all the trouble and mortification attendant on such a research, in which supplication had been necessary to a woman whom he must abominate and despise, and where he was reduced to meet, frequently meet, reason with, persuade, and finally bribe the man whom he always most wished to avoid, and whose very name it was punishment to him to pronounce.' He had done all this for a girl whom he could neither regard nor esteem. Her heart did whisper that he had done it for her, but it was a hope shortly checked by other considerations, and she soon felt that even her vanity was insufficient when required to depend on his affection for her. For a woman who had already refused him, as able to overcome a sentiment so natural as abhorrence against relationship with Wickham— Brother-in-law of Wickham? Every kind of pride must revolt from the connection. He had to be sure done much. She was ashamed to think how much. But he had given a reason for his interference which asked no extraordinary stretch of belief. It was reasonable that he should feel he had been wrong. He had liberality and he had the means of exercising it and though she would not place herself as his principal inducement, she could, perhaps, believe that remaining partiality for her might assist his endeavours in a cause where her peace of mind must be materially concerned. It was painful, exceedingly painful to know that they were under obligations to a person who could never receive a return. They owed the restoration of Lydia, her character, everything to him. Oh! How heartily did she grieve over every ungracious sensation she had ever encouraged, every saucy speech she had ever directed towards him. For herself, she was humbled, but she was proud of him, proud that in a cause of compassion and honour he had been able to get the better of himself. She read over her aunt's commendation of him again and again. It was hardly enough, but it pleased her. She was even sensible of some pleasure, though mixed with regret, on finding how steadfastly both she and her uncle had been persuaded that affection and confidence subsisted between Mr. Darcy and herself. She was roused from her seat and her reflections by someone's approach, and before she could strike into another path, she was overtaken by Wickham. I am afraid I interrupt your solitary ramble, my dear sister, said he as he joined her. You certainly do, she replied with a smile, but it does not follow that the interruption must be unwelcome. I should be sorry indeed if it were. We were always good friends, and now we are better. True. Are the others coming out? I do not know. Mrs. Bennet and Lydia are going in the carriage to Meryton. And so, my dear sister, I find from our uncle and aunt that you have actually seen Pemberley. She replied in the affirmative. I almost envy you the pleasure, and yet I believe it would be too much for me, or else I could take it in my way to Newcastle. And you saw the old housekeeper, I suppose? Poor Reynolds. She was always very fond of me. But, of course, she did not mention my name to you. Yes, she did. And what did she say? That you were gone into the army, and she was afraid had not turned out well. At such a distance as that, you know, things are strangely misrepresented. Certainly, he replied, biting his lips. Elizabeth hoped she had silenced him, but he soon afterwards said, I was surprised to see Darcy in town last month. We passed each other several times. I wonder what he can be doing there. Perhaps preparing for his marriage with Mr. Berg, said Elizabeth. It must be something particular to take him there at this time of year. "'Undoubtedly. Did you see him while you were at Lambton? "'I thought I understood from the gardeners that you had.' "'Yes. He introduced us to his sister.' "'And do you like her?' "'Very much. I have heard, indeed, that she is uncommonly improved within this year or two. "'When I last saw her, she was not very promising. "'I am very glad you liked her. I hope she will turn out well.' "'I dare say she will. She has got over the most trying age.' Did you go by the village of Kimpton? I do not recollect that we did. I mention it because it is the living which I ought to have had. A most delightful place. Excellent parsonage house. It would have suited me in every respect. How should you have liked making sermons? Exceedingly well. I should have considered it as part of my duty, and the exertion would soon have been nothing. One ought not to repine, but to be sure... It would have been such a thing for me. The quiet, the retirement of such a life would have answered all my ideas of happiness. But it was not to be. Did you ever hear Darcy mention the circumstance when you were in Kent? I have heard from authority, which I thought as good, that it was left you conditionally only and at the will of the present patron. You have? Yes, there was something in that. I told you so from the first, you may remember. I did hear, too, that there was a time when sermon-making was not so palatable to you as it seems to be at present, that you actually declared your resolution of never taking orders and that the business had been compromised accordingly. You did, and it was not wholly without foundation. You may remember what I told you on that point when first we talked of it. They were now almost at the door of the house, for she had walked fast to get rid of him, and, unwilling for her sister's sake to provoke him, she only said in reply, with a good-humoured smile, Come, Mr. Wickham, we are brother and sister, you know. Do not let us quarrel about the past. In future, I hope we shall be always of one mind. She held out her hand. He kissed it with affectionate gallantry, though he hardly knew how to look, and they entered the house. Lydia, of course, is completely oblivious to all the problems she has caused and is thrilled that she is now married. Wickham is charming as ever, and it is all very, very British. This is something Americans may not know about British culture, but everybody pretending everything is fine in the midst of a great drama is very much a national characteristic. If you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it with friends. You can listen ad-free by joining Realm Unlimited at realm.fm or Realm Plus on Apple Podcasts. You can also find more shows like this one by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm. Thank you for listening. I'm Alison Larkin. See you next time. You're listening
1: to the Pride and Prejudice Podcast with Allison Larkin. Created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Hosted and performed by Allison Larkin. Based on the novels by Jane Austen. Produced by Kaylin West and Nicole Kreuter. Executive produced by Molly Barton and Julian Yap. Audio produced and edited by Angela Yee. Original theme by Hashem Asadolahi. Performed by Jody Redditch Ferber and Ben Russell. Musical engineering by Justin Morrell. Musical supervision by Marcus Thorne Bagala. Production management by Devin Shepard. Production coordination by Angela Yee. Cover art by Naomi Cho. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Asadolahi. Find more shows like the Jane Austen Podcast with Allison Larkin by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm.